I was trying to get my things unpacked In the neighborhood that made me mad It's not my fault I had a crazy dad In a good heart my mama gave me that Feeling like a Monday on a Saturday Two jobs don't get my mama pay Feel like stealing is the only way Cause I'm hungry and I'm bummy Every Sunday send us to the church to pray So we be rolling, rolling Welcome back everybody. Hope you all have been having a good summer. Um, This is Inside White Center, a place for us to share resources, knowledge, stories. We want to be a teller and collector of uh, White Center stories. Um, So speaking of White Center stories, we have two special guests today, uh, Glendale Tautua and Cham Ba. Yes. 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 Uh, Let's start with Glendale. Um, Can you tell us um, about your upbringing in White Center? Yeah, um, again, I'm Glendale Tautua. I feel so official talking to this mic. I just want to say that one more time. Um, I moved to White Center with my brother Christian when I was about 11, I believe, 11 years old, so like 2005. Uh, me and my family moved up from Hawaii. Uh, I am Samoan, so my family is kind of a mix between, uh, or from a mix between Hawaii and Samoa. Um, and as we know, a lot of the people of color who move to Seattle end up in White Center. That's where I ended up. Well, you, you officially came here in 05. Yep, 05. That was the beginning date of, like, everything. Yep, that was Word. the beginning of all my trauma. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, yeah, since then, I mean, I went to Cascade Middle School, went to Evergreen High School. Um, I really found my place in White Center through all the community building that, um, uh, places like the Yes Foundation, the local church at Mount View, and so yeah, I just grew up as one of those Rat City kids, following all the older kids around, and yeah, nice. <laughs> Chum? I swear to God, I'm about to learn stuff about him in this. Oh, <laughs> 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 uh, my name is Chambok. Uh, I'm from. I was literally about to forget where I was from. I'm from White Center, <laughs> but uh, I came to White Center. Shoot, like in the super early '90s. I came here when I was like. One, maybe two, uh, I was born in Vietnam. I'm actually not from here. Um, and it's funny, whenever I start with that, people be like, yo, your English is on point. I'd be like, yeah, because I'm dope. But nah, I came here when I was young. <laughs> That's what people say about my mom. Yeah, word. They just expect her to be, you know, like have an accent, but my mom's English is really good. Oh, yeah, welcome to America. They will expect a bunch of weird things <laughs> <laughs> if you don't meet the status quo. I know. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I came here super early 90s. You know what? Here's a little fun fact. I actually came to New York first. Uh, my family had moved out there. I never knew that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, <laughs> I moved out to, uh, or we stayed in, but we didn't stay that long. Like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that I'm a New Yorker by any stretch, but... <laughs> We stayed in New York for like three, four months, like tops. And I think we were like out in Queens and there was like a a decision um, to either move to California or Washington. And there was a long discussion with like my mom and my grandmother. Um, And uh, yeah, she was like, no, we got we got to like stay away from California. So you would have been a Vietnamese crip from California. You know, it's funny. No, dude, I I, you know I joke about it, but no, it's it's super real. Like I'm really glad I didn't end up in Cali because I know I know the crowd I would have like like hung around with because all my like a grip of my cousins out there are like on some super gangbanging shit and so and it's funny because like I still was like kind of around that environment out here. I just kind of had a better shot at it because you know I. didn't have as many friends, <laughs> you know, which apparently is a a really really alternative solution to like staying away from the streets. <laughs> Not for real, 
But uh, but no, I mean, I I grew up, I came here super early. I definitely remember. <clears throat> it's weird, man. I, I have a grip of memories at, at like at an early age that I feel like I shouldn't have, but but just because of the trauma that was like attached to those memories, that's why you remember them. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I got I got memories spanning all the way back to like three, four. I remember like stuff that happened in South. Oh, we lived in South Park first. When we came to uh, Seattle or Washington, we actually stayed in South Park before we, mm. you know, permanently resided in White Center. Um, and uh, and yeah, it was. I went to White Center Heights Elementary before they moved to the the portables for like a very long time. Uh, went to uh, then went to Cascade Middle School, which was a bummer because I distinctly remember my uncle who had went to Cascade before me was like, oh yeah, they got like all these cool electives like woodshop and I just looked so I was like looking looking forward to like taking woodshop when I got to Cascade and yeah, then they cut woodshop and all these other classes I was like yo what the what bruh we got it back you know yeah, that? yeah see and that's and I'm, I'm I'm happy for y'all but like yo I was I was really I had to wait until college till I could finally take woodshop <laughs> like I, and I did I took it I took it as an elective like on my third quarter at college and I, and I was like, damn, man, I can't believe this is what I missed out on. This sucks. I thought I thought Woodshop was a made-up thing. Thing they only see, like you know, like shows. Right. So I never did Woodshop. I thought that was a made-up thing. Yeah, I, I was <laughs> I was pissed. And then they cut like French when I got to like Evering. Or no, they didn't cut it. They moved it to the tech school, and I was like, well, French, man, yeah, yeah, because I only had, I thought they moved it to HS3 because I took French. Well, see, there you go. I, I don't even <laughs> took French. All too. I know is that is, is is that it wasn't in arts. And Aww. I feel like French is French is a very artsy language, and yeah. I don't <laughs> I don't understand the justification. Of it. Me either. <laughs> I, I know how to uh, use the bathroom. So that's exactly <laughs> what I know. Puis aller à toilette s'il vous plaît, and that's pretty much it. That's how far my French. Goes. Yeah, no, I, I, gosh, all the cool things I made. But anyways, um, yeah, Cascade Evergreen, and then uh, after I graduated Evergreen, I went to Evergreen State College in Olympia. Nice. Yeah, but. That was pretty much my upbringing. Just the guy wanted to go to school, but not really. Okay. <laughs> well, you and Glenn are good friends. Um, how do you guys know each other? Ooh. Oh, man. You know what? Ha. Huh? I, I got stories. This. I got it. No, no. <laughs> yep, take I'll, it. I'll take it back to day one. <laughs> yep. I was, it was my f- sophomore. No, I don't think it was my freshman year because we weren't, we weren't kicking it during my freshman year, Christian. Junior. <clears throat> was it junior year? I it was so, I feel like sophomore year was when uh I seen you playing with that ook a bunch. Um I feel like that is around the time. But Christian Tautul, the guy behind the uh the the tech the tech guy, why am I brain farting on words that I should know? It's literally my major. Pool. Um <laughs> uh, but um I was I just got into this like recording program. Uh this after school reporting uh, recording program at the Youngstown's Cultural Arts Center. And uh I was studying to be an engineer, kind of. Actually, what I was really trying to do was just save a bunch of money because I didn't want to pay people for studio time. Um, and so they had this spot out there, and they was like, yo, you can learn to be an engineer and blah, 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 because I, I knew very early on I wanted to do something with music. Um, one day, walking through Evergreen, I'd seen this guy just singing and playing on his ook, and I was like, hey, yo, man, let me let me record you. Like, just like, <laughs> I don't even know who you are, man, but it was like in between classes, and then Christian's response, and this is how you know Christian really is like about his family life. Because he was like, I love music. I love doing this, like for real. Like, this is like a part of me, but you shouldn't record me. You got to record me with a brother. And that's literally what he said. 
I was like, word, who's that? He's like, Lorenzo. You got to record Lorenzo. And that's how that's how we kind of interacted. And I known that I had actually known about Lorenzo, um, and I thought he was dope then, but I just didn't have any <clears throat> access to him. But I and, and this is when I discovered that all these guys were like all related in the same way that like me and my family related to a bunch of chomp fucks out here. <laughs> and by that I mean not. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was dope, man. I'm so I'm so glad. Like, you don't understand, man. Like, when the more I got to know like Polynesian people and culture, I'm like, yo, man, we really are like super the same. We have like 15 of our cousins in our houses, <clears throat> like, you know what I'm saying, like sharing like beds and sleeping on floors. I'm like, yo, man, I really like I really understood that. Like, I like, I really got that. And so that was that was always a trip to kind of like see. Um, it's in White Center, and other people were like that too. Um, but uh, connects me with Lorenzo. Uh, I do music with Lorenzo. So I've been like super close with his family ever since that point. Like stopping by the house all the time, just kicking it. Um, and even when I went off to college, I would like come back uh, like in the dead of night. And this is how you know, like, <laughs> this is how you know, like, the morning. this is how you know, like, the Simone moms in that house like really, really loved me because yeah. I would take them out in the middle of a school night. <laughs> like it'd be school the next day. Like it'd be two a.m. in the morning. I stop through and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, Chad, come through. Yeah, take all the kids out. <laughs> yeah, let's go to Denny's and and eat some stuff." And because uh, you know, like those moms would like snap their kids' heads if they ever found them skipping right <laughs> for any reason right. But when but when I came through, like I just like I said, I always felt the love in that house, and so. During those times when I would like take the boys out, Glenn, Christian, Alex, all those folks, that we we go eat uh, a bunch, and uh, Glenn secretly in the background at at some of those sessions with Lorenzo was always like, "Yo, I kind of want to do music too," but just didn't want to like he didn't want to put himself out there. He, mm-hmm. he felt like he wasn't ready, and I and I wish he had I wish he had said something because I'd have been like when he showed me his earlier stuff, I was like, "Yo, this is dope. This is like you were better than me at 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 my like at, at that age. I was I was nowhere near that level." Um, and so after fast forward a couple of years, like I would say after college, that, that's when we really started. It was after 2014. Um, we had already had like the familial connection and then, yeah, the rest was history. He calls me up one night, super drunk. Drunk. Yeah. I was about to say yeah. drunk now. <laughs> yeah. He was like, hey, who's going to pick me up, man? And I'm glad that he called me. Um, I was like, yeah, of course I got you. Where you at? And I was like 45 minutes somewhere randomly. It was like home. Auburn, <laughs> bro. Yeah, it was like the weirdest, but it was cool. It was my bro. I was like, it was like 2 a.m. in the morning. I was like, no problem. No problem at all. But he comes through just drunk, drunk out of his mind. Like, hey, who's, I need you to put me on, man. Like, and I hear that all the time. And I'm like, I don't, I don't even know if you know what that means. Um, <laughs> but he's like, just give me a shot. I swear, I, I swear I won't let you down. And, uh, and sure enough, man, he hasn't. And so, yeah, he's, ooh, he's been he's been coming through ever since, and that's how we connected. Yeah. Gwen, what's your earliest memory of Cham? Of Cham? Shoot. Mm, of Cham. I was like, yeah, I was like the little brother following everybody around, like Lorenzo and Christian. Um, like, we were always at Youngstown, and I literally was the kid who had nothing to do there. Like, I wasn't a part of any programs. Mm. I wasn't like, Christian was like doing why, why Am I, and like, which is the Youth Media Institute and a bunch of other things. I literally was there just to sit on the couch and chill. Were you kind of like the, the kid that the mom said, uh, take your little brother? Yeah, yeah, a little <laughs> bit, a little bit. Um, but mostly it, was, oh, mostly it was my choice. Um, I just thought it was cool what they were doing, and I, I didn't want to be alone. Um, plus, I just needed something to, to keep me out of trouble. I was 
was getting into a lot of trouble when I was a kid. Oh, yeah. And yep. And so, what kind um, of shoot, all kinds. I was always getting suspended from school. Oh. Um, I was always getting into fights. I got emergency expelled twice. Oh, yeah, I, I, got, I, got, I got that once. <laughs> Damn, <laughs> you beat me. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that's a lot. That's for a lot of the young men of color um, in White Center, especially for. Yeah, I think I embodied a lot of the, the Samoan stereotypes early and allowed myself mm-hmm. to internalize those things. And I felt like if I wasn't getting in trouble, if I wasn't beating people up, then I wasn't Samoan. <laughs> and so that's kind of the issue I had. But yeah, so I chose to kind of follow Christian and Lorenzo around. And um, during those times, I would always see Cham. Cham was always running the Youngstown studio, um, bringing people in to do sessions. And I'd always just be chilling in the back watching them do their thing. Um, and at the time I was making music, I was always writing. Um, I would rap, write raps to Christian and Lorenzo's um, ukulele songs or beats. Um, but I just never, I was always too nervous or shy to share it. Um, so, yeah, earliest memory is watching Cham in the studio at Youngstown. Um, but also I would go to some of his performances. He used to uh, wear this shirt on his head. <laughs> he used to rap with this shirt on his head. I thought that was the coolest thing. I was like, man, I wish I, wish I started putting my shirt on my head. But if I start wearing a shirt on my head now, I'm going to look stupid because he's doing it. You know what's funny, man? You know what's funny about that shirt on my head? I was just copying the ooses. Cause I see was like wrap shirts on the heads of school. I was like, ah, and I found out that I was kind of oh. doing it wrong. <laughs> and I had like ended up doing my own thing. But dog, I was actually just trying to copy you guys. That was the funniest thing in the world. Yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I've definitely seen some looses do that. Um, so yeah, but then um, fast forward to the future. Like I said, like Chan was saying, um, he's always been family. He would pick me and my brother Alex up at like one, two in the morning. Ask our parents, and they'd be like, oh, who's, who are you going with, champ? Yeah, take them. There would be times where they let us miss school the next day if we were out too late at Denny's. Yeah. Um, that's how much they trusted us full. Mm-hmm. And so after I graduated from college, I came back. Cham was gone for a bit, um, and I knew he wasn't around. Um, he was doing music. He was traveling, doing some other things with music. Um, but when I heard that he was back, I was like, <laughs> man. And so that's when I jumped out. Of, I was like, bro. Um, because at the time, I was writing and recording on my own a lot. And I had this mixtape project that I worked so hard on, and my dumbass spilled soda on my laptop. And so that was supposed to be my first project ever. No one really knew I was doing music. I worked really hard on it, and I lost everything. And I literally locked my room, myself in my room for like two weeks. Like oh, yeah. it was, was the bad. worst. Because uh, when you when you work on something so hard and you just can't get it back. I don't know, that feeling, it feels like I I was mourning something. But, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so fast forward, I hit up Cham, telling him. Um, I was I was drinking and stuff because I, I was sad I lost the music. Um, but also I was like, okay, I'm just going to hit up Cham right now. I, I feel I got the liquid courage. Hit him up, he came, picked me up. Um, and, yeah, he was saying, like, he was pretty reluctant to let me kind of into the fold just because, yeah, like Cham said, and I'm starting to realize this now, there are so many people... Um, not just in Seattle, but who do music, who say, I want to do this, I want to do this, I want to do this, and they just don't have the work ethic. Because most of the time, you're giving up your time, your money, um, your life for for this music thing, and you're getting nothing in return, really, um, for the most part. I mean, at the more that you keep creating and the more that people listen to you, you feel like your story's being heard. But for the most part, you're busting your ass just... For sometimes five people to listen to you, you know, mm-hmm. and you have to find ha- happiness in that, but it's hard to. And so he was reluctant to let me join. I told him, I was like, nah, I'm not going to let you down. I'm a hard worker. And so it took me a couple years. I mean, 
he 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 let me in faster I, I think than he would other people because I am family um but I think he just saw me coming back I, I was putting in work with Otto um I was going to the shows I was selling tickets um I was you know helping out wherever I needed to be helped at so I was just playing the little bro role for a little bit just to kind of earn my stripes you know and then finally eventually um I was I was officially put on to Otto not too long ago actually so that's kind of how long it took mm-hmm. to really really get in but I, I mean I was a part of it but yeah, it just took a lot of work, and so yeah, that's that's when me and Champ started relinking up and creating music together. And what do you mean being put on auto? Is that a place? Yeah. So for people who don't know, I'm not, and I, I would lo- I want pe- more people to know. Maybe I should change my Instagram name to Glendale Tautua Auto. No, nah, don't do it. No. I mean, you know what? You do what you want. Host. You do whatever you I'm want. Like, you don't even know. Auto member, if you want to call yourself Auto publicly. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm actually part of, of a larger uh, music collective called um, Auto Gang, Operation Take Over the World. Um, that's kind of the crew that Cham um, and the label that Cham created. And so that's why I knew I was like, oh, I want to I do music um, with Cham because I knew he created that, that kind of collective and label. Um, but it's super dope. It's, I... Everything that I do is because of the community I am I'm in in auto. Um, when it comes to music video pushes or song releases or all of that, we're all literally um, grouped up in a meeting talking about how to push each other and how to advertise each other. And so, without that collective, I don't think I would be successful. <laughs> yeah, auto auto. We've always so before Glenn came into the fold, auto had always been. Um, we always identified as a media collective. Everyone had like a certain like certain various skills that can range from like Photoshop to website administration to recording music to being rappers and whatnot. And for a very long time, we just kept recruiting rappers with no other skills. Um, and uh, it wasn't until shoot, I would say 2018, going into 2019, that we officially incorporated as an actual label like LLC and pay taxes, blah 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 blah. Um, and Glendale was actually the first official artist that we signed to that label. Mm. And then after like hanging around and putting in work, Glendale was like, yo, I, I don't want to just be like signed to the label. I actually want to be like, like in it. I want to be part of the administrative part of this label where I have like a say in, in, in the voice and like auto related matters. And so that's what Glenn's talking about when he's like, yo, stuck around, recorded a bunch of music, helped out wherever I could help. Um, and then, yeah, so auto, so he's a full, he's, he's a full fledged auto member. He's fully auto. He's not semi-auto anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Fully auto. There's also a detailed description on your YouTube, right? Because it's very aesthetic. Uh, yeah. On my YouTube? On the auto YouTube? Yeah, yeah. I think think there is. I I haven't checked on it in a minute because most of the stuff that's uh, internet related, I uh, defer to our uh, website administrative department. (laughs) Which is not me. It's some somebody else. Yeah. And I'm really glad I could say that. I'm like, no, nah, it's just whatever goes on here is is her fault. Right. <laughs> we love you. We love if you. If you listen to this, kid, yeah, we yeah, can't believe you're listening to this. Yeah, no, she's definitely gonna be listening to this. She's gonna yeah. bring this. She's she gonna bring up. She she does. But real quick, shout out to Kim Lee Nguyen because she is like a huge anchor in auto right now. She's low key like our babysitter. Yeah, um, pretty much. She just kind of stays on top of all the things that we need to do. I'm sure she's gonna be like, oh, you forgot to mention that one date. Uh, after this interview, but whatever. But yeah, Kim Lee's dope. Nice. Um, Champ, can you um, talk about how you got your start with music? Uh, we heard that you started maybe... Ooh, organ- tell me the legends. Or- <laughs> organized <laughs> Chaos. Can you tell us about Organized Chaos? 
Organized. Oh, that's what Kim was talking about. Organized chaos. Before time began. <laughs> there was a cube. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, man, you know, even before organized chaos, I was I had always been like really intrigued with uh with music. But real quick, organized chaos was like this little cool, fun project that like man, I forget exactly who was involved. Um. Why am I having such a brain fart on his name? Tony's. Phoenix. Tony. Yeah, Visto. Visto. Oh, and Kim shout Nong. Out. Shout them out. Yo, yo, shout, shout out to Phoenix. Shout out to Tony, man. <laughs> shout out to Kim Nong. Man, all these folks who had came together and was like, yo, we gotta, we gotta like, I don't know, put on a, a, a battle rap tournament in our scene because there's not a scene here. And so I remember going to the first one that I didn't battle in. Um but uh but yeah, they had this like this rap battle tournament um the second year that I went. I got the second place, uh, which is fine. Um What'd you win? Oh man, I got yeah, I got me an iPod, That's man. That's what Kim Nong said. And I rocked <laughs> that iPod forever. Forever, man. It was it was really dope, man. And uh uh and you know what? You know who won first place? Who? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. <laughs> No, shout out to uh, I forget his name Pepe. Uh, he had a, he had a really interesting. Oh yeah, he name. was saying that. Yeah, yeah. Shout out, shout out to Pepe, man. Wherever you may be at. Um, but uh, but yeah, that was that was a cool experience, man. Um, I, I'd always been like really intrigued with uh with battle rap. Um, I'm kind of like, I'm whatever about the state of battle rap now. I don't want to get into this too much, but battle rap today has turned into like pre-written Shakespearean monologues. They're, like, cool. Like, you you know, you, you get three months to prep right. to, like, figure out who your opponent is, and you come with, like, a like a long, huge monologue where you just, like, you know, break your, you tear your opponent down. Mm. Whereas what we were doing was, like, yo, off the top of the dome, you have nothing pre-written, go. Mm. Right. <laughs> and so that art form uh, is just, I don't feel like it gets practice enough. Uh, and it's a very huge... I feel like dimension to this rap stuff that really makes you, you know, an MC. But with that being said, I suck at freestyling. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's why when he was saying that, I was like, you don't suck at freestyling. But I was like, damn, champ battle rap? Yeah, no. thing right now. No, it was, no, man, there was a point in time where all I did was just think about punchlines. Mm-hmm. And just, and just, I'm like, oh, man, I already, I already got like a solid eight for you that, that you will not come back from. Right. Yeah, you know, so I was always, I was always, I mean, I still do. Like, I'm sitting around all day just, oh, yeah, come <laughs> just funny punch bars, you know. But, uh, but yeah, so the organized chaos thing happened when I was like, late middle school um i was like 13 14 i can't i can't exactly remember but that was super dope no no i lied i was in i was in high school because that ipod came out it was the first time yeah the ipod that came out it was it was like they were selling it as like oh you can play movies on it and that was the first time that, no way. yeah yeah you could play movies on ipods because it was like before that it was just music and so i remember it was like man it was like 50 or 60 gigs but i just i just remember the fact that you could play movies on it i just remember seeing freaking johnny depp's face on the the box, you know, Pirates of the Caribbean, iPods. Um, I was always intrigued with poetry, and I was a huge fan, still am, a huge fan of Dr. Seuss. I know they tried to cancel him recently. They're trying to cancel <laughs> everybody. Damn. Oh, yeah, no. Cancel Dr. Seuss, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what's funny about cancel culture is that it, it seems to have canceled everything but racism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, seriously, Facts. it's, it's yeah. still around. And so, I, you know, I, I always wonder, you know, how 
how effective that tactic really is. But um, without having trying to get too political, Dr. Seuss got me into rhyming. Facts. Dr. Seuss, I would even argue, is like a pioneer of mumble rap. In the sense that this guy was like rhyming words that didn't even like what like wasn't even real, and I was like, "Yo, this is the coolest, this is the coolest thing ever." Um, and uh, and so that happened. And at some point in my elementary years, uh, girls finally became interesting, and and I <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, I'm gonna impress this girl because I wanted her to be my girlfriend." So when she had asked me what I did, for some reason, I just lied through my teeth and was like, oh yeah, I rap and I make music. And I was like, fuck, never wrote a written verse in my life. And, and I felt like at that point, I was like, oh, now, now I gotta like, if I don't, if I, if I don't continue this lie, they're gonna find out that I'm a fraud and it's, I'm gonna be like uncool and then somehow that's gonna lead to me being deported from America. Um, and so, I gotta, I gotta just, you know, I got to go through all these like after school programs and go to college and da 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 da, da and become a rapper. <laughs> wow. And so, yeah, no, I was just trying to impress a girl from the jump. And uh, and yeah, that that accidentally got me into like rapping seriously. A very, very long no, game answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, before coming here, me and Pat were driving. We were vibing to your guys' album, nice. Bonnie and Greenwood. Yeah. Yes. Um, can you guys walk us through that project? Yeah, man, it was. I, I remember. It was, first, it was just a couple of sessions. And just to be really clear, when we record albums, um, we don't come into it saying, I want to record an album. Mm-hmm. It Usually, it's like a spawn of like a series of like singles that are just songs dope in and of themselves um, and not related to one another and things like that. And so, usually, yeah, the process is just regurgitating as much ideas and songs that, like, that you have and then after you put all those songs in front of you and you have them all finished to a certain degree, you're like, okay, cool. I can see, I can see an album certain form. Like conceptually, I can see what this song or this album could be about. You know, because most, most albums, they carry like certain motifs and certain like themes and stuff and they all kind of connect with one another and, you know, in, in, in certain ways. And so you, you kind of look at that and you just kind of hope that like you got something in front of you. And, and yeah, no, like I think, uh, I think I'm going to stop here and let Glenn talk. Uh, what were you saying yeah so um when i started linking up with cham i mean i was writing heavy um every day i I do the old school composition books so at home i got a bunch of composition books filled with rap lyrics and filled with songs and um found some beats and just started writing and rapping and um we started to slowly realize that a lot of the stuff i was talking about is was kind of uh my journey as an adolescent uh when i was maybe like 14 to now um and so it follows it just followed a progressive um like it was chronologically kind of in order from like what I went through as a kid um to college and to now and that's what I really I think I enjoy about um Bonnie and Greenwood um but it was cool it was fun um as far as the process goes um like Chan was saying we just started um recording and slowly started to see that there was a theme there um, and I feel like a lot of um, a lot of my happiness and trauma is, is both mixed into this album. Um, and that's what I mean by it kind of follows a, a similar or just follows a certain track that kind of was my upbringing. Because um, for, for people who don't know, me and Christian um, lost one of our brothers to uh, gun violence when I was 12. How old were you, Christian? 15, 14? 15, yeah, 14, 15. Um, and so that... 
had a huge impact on my life and everything moving forward. Um, it was hard for me to go to schools. It was hard for me to just focus on anything, really. Um, and I actually was present when that happened, when the situation happened. I was one of the, the few boys who were in the room when um, my brother passed away. And so I feel like this album kind of spoke a lot of lot to those experiences, um, but also was about growth and kind of breaking away from that because, shoot, even when I went to college, even being like 24, 25, when I was that age, I was not over it. And I thought I was. Um, and so this album really helped me kind of express myself in a way that I've never, never have been before, not to make this all dark. <laughs> um, and Cham had helped me do that. And so I think the process was simply just writing and creating music. But then along the way, it became something more to be like, well, I started realizing, wow, this is my opportunity to kind of tell this story. Um, and and to say whatever the hell I want in whatever way I want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was very healing and it was very th- uh, therapeutic. Um, and it's been helpful in my journey of getting over a lot of the things that me and Christian had experienced when we were kids. I mean, it continues to be every time I link up with Cham and every time we create music or any time we're in the room, just creating whatever. Um, it's just super helpful to be in a space where you can say whatever the hell you want um, and make it sound dope and make it catchy and put melodies together. Um, so that's what that album meant to me. But I'm also really excited about whatever we create next because I think that Otto in general right now has been making some really dope music. Um, and so is Cham. Cham has some projects. I'm not even going to say what they are, but <laughs> Cham has some dope things okay. in the work um, from Ryan, who's kind of our rock artist. Um, he has a lot of great things in the work. Khalil, Mike. I mean, we're just moving at a really good pace. Um, so I'm excited to keep just keep creating, keep telling stories through music. Yeah. You know, it's it's first off, working with Glenda has always been easy just because how talented he was. And I always knew Thank you. It for me it was yeah, no, it was it's um having the background that I have uh was definitely perfect for, for somebody like Glenn just because I always can tell when artists are trying to do like a certain sound. I'm like, oh you you want you, you write this song, the song sounds like these three artists that you were inspired by. I know what you're trying to do. Like and that's and that's cool. And so that having that having that background knowledge um uh really helps a bunch just from a technical standpoint. Um but I think, you know, my my number one goal whenever we're recording music together is to make sure at the end of the day that like we're always having fun. Like it's got like I don't I don't ever and, and it's it's funny, it's it's kind of ironic uh, because you know we do have to treat this like a job because it is like especially for someone like me, um, but but no I, 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 if I if I if I feel like it's work like I, I gotta dread it, um, it's gonna suck yeah. like no matter what no matter like it's because we can we can be in the studio like I've been in like sessions where it was like five minutes up to like twelve hours. Like they can, they can go. And glad to tell you, we've definitely pulled all nighters. Yeah. Um, but that's because they were, you know, they're they're fun, man. Uh, you know, and I'm not gonna like I'm not I'm not trying to say that like it was, it was it, there was never any struggle. Like we definitely had moments where we were, like just couldn't figure out a song or couldn't figure out a mix, uh, couldn't figure out a hook. But uh, but yeah, the the most important thing for me was like was just always trying to have fun. And Glenn made that easy. Like. <laughs> Glenn is super... At least some fools in the studio. Super, <laughs> super open-minded and trying anything. Like, the level of trust that Glenn has given me as a producer, like, because, you know, it's always it's it's always raw in the beginning. It's got to get, like, edited and mixed to a certain degree. And, and folks can't see the vision until it's literally done. 
And so I always, I always gotta like remind folks like, hey, look, just, just trust me. This is gonna sound dope when I'm, when I'm finished with it, you know. Uh, and so, yeah, I really, I really appreciate the level of trust that that Glenn, Glenn has given me, not only, not only as an engineer but as a producer. Um, yeah, yeah, no, man, just trust, fun, all that mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. What else you want to know about B.I.G.? Bonnie and Greek Wolf, No, that was, that's awesome um, for you guys to be able to turn your traumas into something so beautiful. Because I know that Bonnie and Greenwood means a lot to you because of your two brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about how that name came to be? Who I do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead, bro. Cause... I got it. I got it. I'll break this down. Day one. Not day one, but like somewhere I like when we knew that this was going to be an album. Because you guys didn't have the Man, he about before. to make fun of me. Oh, this is going to be great. All right, check this out. <laughs> so like, oh, man, I love you, Glenn, for these <laughs> moments. Uh, so Glenn comes up and he's like, all right. I got the name of the album. All right, check this out. I, I'm just between. I forgot what the second one was, but it was literally much the same title, but with an extra word. You remember the word? I don't remember. I do. I, I do I remember, remember the, the word. word. I tell you what the word. He's like, all right, I got it. I got the. I got. And I could tell that Glenn had been thinking about this for a second. I was like, what's the, what's the name of this album? He goes, Redemption. I no, said, it was reconciliation or reconcile. No, you said redemption. Oh, I, I swear it. I swear you. I'm pretty sure it was reconcile. The word. Okay, word. Okay, reconcile. Pretty much, Same whatever. Yeah. <laughs> he said, re- reconcile or reconciliation. I said, all right, cool. I got a better idea. How about no? <laughs> no, I was like, no, no, that's, that's cool. It, yeah, I, yeah, yeah I, it was, it was fun. It was, and I, like, God, God bless his soul, man. Cause like, he, he come in all proud. <laughs> no, he came in. He came in. He definitely was like Shaky. a little like, oh, I'm still yeah. thinking about it. Like, he wasn't so long. It. I appreciate it. He's, he, he's, he's always downplay it. Yeah, yeah. no, he keeps it real. The way he, because whenever I try to do art, at least I like, I always appreciate art that isn't like completely on the nose, like. Like give me give me some mystery like just a little bit like I, like let me make me work right. for about what what this thing may be about you know because mm-hmm. art's subjective like the the last thing you want to do is make art not subjective it's like oh it's about this and it can only be about this um, I always feel it's always great when you can listen to something and be like get ten different things out of it right and so that's like always my attitude and also contrast there's got to be a certain level of contrast to know to see the thing that's happening right and so. Uh, how we came with the title after he had said reconcile reconciliation, I was like, all right, all right, hold up, let's just let's take a step back, let's let's go through what this album's about real quick. All right, let's just start naming some themes. Family. This is a coming of age album. This is you know this is about people who've passed away. This is about your loved ones. This is about love. This is about you know finding yourself. Um, and then you know inevitably we landed on all right, cool. This is you dedicating this to Mikey. Word. You dedicating this to Wayne. And just going through literally this back and forth, I was like, "Where was, where was a, uh, where was where was Mikey buried?" That was my next question, and I think it was Bonnie Watson. Uh, Wayne's at Bonnie Watson. Wayne's at Bonnie Watson, and that Mikey's at Greenwood, mm-hmm. right? And so I was like, "Okay, word, let's." And it's straight up. It was just let, let's call this Bonnie in Greenwood. It'll it'll sound like it's about a person, right? Mm-hmm. Like going to like school. Or something like that, and I and I liked and I really liked the idea that it was like about like this like specifically like this 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 feminine energy that was like because right. I know that like um, like grew, Glenn grew up a, like a lot around like feminine energy and he has like a lot of nieces and whatnot and this is like a super family oriented album and I, and I just and I really just like the concept. Um, of education kind of attached to that because Greenwood sounded like a school to me 
And I remember when we were doing, uh, like, coming up with, like, photo concepts for the album, we were just driving around. And we ended up finding, like, a Greenwood <laughs> Elementary. Like, I was like, yo, this is crazy. This is, yo, I was like, yo, they have a Greenwood. And I was like, yo, this is, we, we got to do this. This is, this is insane. And so, yeah, after, after just kind of going back and forth about it. And, and the name just, it just had a ring to it. It, like, sounded like a movie or something. Like, Bonnie and Greenwood sounded really cin- cinematic to me. Um, and so, and Glove was like, yeah, no, that sounds dope. Let's do that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, damn, that was suck. <laughs> like, when we, yeah, when we started going through it and, like, just thinking about it and brainstorming and we came to Bonnie and Greenwood, I was like, yeah, that's dope. There's so many levels to it. Yeah. Um, and it's way better than whatever the hell I say. <laughs> I'm so glad we didn't name it that. Oh, Glove was about to be like, my rap album is it's rap music. no no man no i like like i said the it was made glenn always made it fun man and so um and like i said super trusting like very very trusting i know that when glenn had told his family they were like the fuck are you talking about bonnie green well what is what does that even mean yeah and so and i was like exactly figure it out Mm. (laughs) you know what i mean and so i think uh yeah, no, I, I think, man, my, the title of the album is actually one of my most favorite things about that album. Like, even more than the songs themselves sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, and even, and the, it, even the, like, the, the cover itself, too, was cool. Have you seen the cover yes. of the album? Yeah. yeah. What, do you, what do you think of the cover of the album? I want to know this before you start asking about it. What do you mean, what do I think? Yeah, like, what do you think of it as, as like, a piece of art? No, what do you think of the cover of the album? It like, makes me want to, like, know more, like, why. Mm-hmm. It's, like, very, like, it's, like... It's mysterious. Yup. Yeah. Sure. This the, you're talking about the chair in the middle. Yeah, the yeah, chair. Yeah, yeah. It's yep. just like, who's that chair for? Right, right, yeah. How, yeah, yeah what, would, you, would you extrapolate from that? It, just just questions as to what this could mean? Yeah, like, who's that chair for? Right. Like, why why is it just a chair? Is it somebody supposed to be there? Is somebody missing? Is somebody supposed to come? Yeah. A lot mm. of mystery. So I think you definitely, you guys hit your goal. Like, <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Had me wondering. Yeah, for sure. Who's that chair for? <laughs> <laughs> so, you want to give background on the chair, or like at least where you were? Yeah, I was on I was on the street that I grew up on, mm. um, Occidental, and so our idea was just to get some photos on that street uh, for a promo. We actually did a promo video, which actually came out to be really dope. Uh, and I don't see a lot of people doing it, but it was basically a trailer for the album. And um, we we're on the street I grew up on. And we were taking pictures on that street. Literally on the side of the road, we see a chair. And we are like, dude, this would be yes, dope to set it here. Yes, <laughs> this would be dope to just set it here um, and try to mess with the chair and some imagery and think and, of like And things. the chair was from the house you grew up in. Right. It was what? getting it was getting cleaned out. And, and it was like literally next to the dumpster about to get thrown away. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And somebody, I don't know who had the chair idea. I don't know if it was Thomas or it was you. Yeah, um, shout out to Thomas Origami, the guy who put the, the trailer together. Um, yeah, it was like, put the ch- chair in the middle of the street. It looks abstract and cool. And I was looking at it, and you was you were actually the one that came up with the, the cover for the album. Mm-hmm. We were, and I swear to God, it was like a couple weeks before this album was supposed to be uploaded. And it's like, we're like in the fourth quarter. We still haven't figured out the art for this album. And I'm like sweating like, man, what the heck? Yo, bro, what do, you, what do we do? And then Glenn was just looking at the trailer one day, and it was like, it was, I got it. And, and he just takes a still frame from the trailer, which had the chair in it. Um, and I was, like, kind of reluctant at first. And I was like, no, 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 no. I, I see it. This is, this is a solid backup because I, cause we, couldn't, we couldn't land. We had a different I- a concept idea for the art because we really wanted to play up the whole, like, 
Bonnie and Greenwood thing and kind of like personify what this album was about and like make it like make Bonnie real. Like, like let's let's make let's turn Bonnie into a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's gonna like personify everything that you're talking about right now. And I initially imagined like like this little Polynesian girl going to school. Like it was, and that that was like the the initial idea for the concept art uh, was like having this girl come to school because going to school because it was like a, a coming of age album and it would be like it would actually be like Glenn walking her to school implying that like she's you know his niece um, and so playing up the whole family theme um, yeah sounds dope right mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, and yeah that we 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 just struggled to get that picture for the longest and we just couldn't get it. And and that was why it, it took forever. And then Glenn came up with a solid alternative uh, that I was super happy with. Um, but yeah, that's that's how that's how we landed on the chair. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I like it. Um, so other than music, um, you're part of OFM, Our Future Matters. Mm-hmm. You yep, want to talk about how that began? Uh, yeah. Sure. Oh, FM. <laughs> yeah. What other group were you... <laughs> <laughs> I'm not an auto anymore. I'm OFM. Well, um, I, I mean, honestly, I haven't been doing too much work with OFM lately. Um, OFM is um, an acronym for Our Future Matters, which is a group that supports Pacific Islander um, students and youth um, on their journey to pursuing mm-hmm. higher education. Uh, but they also do really dope things like um, go to lobby day and talk to legislators about, you know, bills that they would like to pass. They talk about education reform, um, cultural identity and uh, cultural competency. So there's so many things that kind of make our future matters what it is. Um, but yeah, it started um, back when I was 18 years old, me and my best friend, uh, Manu Tuitoilau. Um, we were seniors in high school and we wanted to do a senior project. And at the time, we were taking some video classes for um, Upward Bound. And so we were like, hey, let's make a documentary about Samoan youth in education. And so it was, I wish, a part of me, I mean, I'm so glad we did it, but at the time, it was really stressful. It was my senior year, and we were taking on a documentary in which we had hours upon hours of interviews and film. And so we had to edit everything. Um, but basically, yeah, we, we created this documentary called Samoan Youth Ensuring Our Success. Mm-hmm. Um, and we put it out into the world and held um, some viewings for teachers, mm-hmm. um, teachers and community members. Um, and yeah, after doing some of the viewings, Lena Thompson, who is Pat's sister and a uh, um, uh, community leader um, in White Center and Burien, well, pretty much everywhere. But she came up to me and Manu, my best friend, and said, yo, what's next? Like, what are, what are you guys going to do moving forward? And we didn't have a plan. Like, the trick was <laughs> the, the video. We're all out of ideas. We were just doing this for our senior project and to try to make an impact. Well, Lena heard kind of the calling, and so, and so did other community members heard kind of what we were saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and they responded. And it's so dope. I mean, there's not a lot of places where you have elders and community leaders actively listen to youth and then take action. Um, because Because of them... Mm-hmm. Our Future Matter was birthed, and they did a summer program, Christian and Agnes. Uh, shout out Agnes Leopai. Um, they were two of the kind of le- first original leaders, Tokavalu. Basically, all these community leaders came back, came together in response to the video to create an organization to make sure that what happened and those experiences that we talked about in our documentary um, stop happening and that there's access to education and resources that students need to apply to college or just have a space where you, where they can talk about you know, being a Pacific Islander in the education system and what that's like. And so that's our future matters. Um, I work, I've been working in education for 
because of OFM for maybe nine to ten years now. I'm, I'm also a admissions counselor at UW Seattle. And so education and supporting Pacific Islander students um, in general has always been a passion of mine because I know what it's like. Me and Chris know Cham knows what it's like to be a student who feels unheard, who consistently is trying to, you know, be a part of a system that doesn't accept them or their traditions or their culture. And so I'm really passionate about education and that work. Um, not as much as I, I mean, I'm still kind of torn because I'm working in these really big systems that sometimes um, don't give anything back. Um, like working at a place like you don't get in trouble at UW, it's, it's hard to, you know, you feel like you're just uh, patching up a, a tire with a hole in it, right? I don't know if that's even a metaphor, but um, you don't feel like you're really fixing anything in these huge systems. So it's been a struggle lately to try to find where I fit, but yep, that's our future matters. And that's kind of the work I do outside of music. Yeah. And in the video, I was hearing a lot of, um, a lot of Pacific Islanders not feeling like they can go to college because of family because family is really important in your right. culture um and the stereotypes how do how do they overcome that yeah i think that's tough um a I lot think... of them are afraid to leave their families because they feel like they have to support them right i feel like that's very yep. common in vietnamese culture too asian culture yeah i i think that what has been helpful um over the last couple of years is meaningful relationships with adults and staff and, and community members I think that a lot of the times our students didn't have those meaningful relationships, mm -hmm. not just our students, but our students' parents um, mm -hmm. have a connection to somebody who can sit down with parents and students to be like, hey, this is here are the resources we have. This is why it's important. Here's kind of the opportunities that we could lay out for your student um, if they decide to go to college or if they take this route, whatever that might be. And I think that um, that's kind of been a change, and that's kind of something that Pacific Islander community leaders have, have been trying to do more of, is to actually create relationships with these families so that right. we can lay it out for them. Right. No, that's that's super real, man, because, like, I would say one of the biggest struggles, uh, I, I, obviously, you know, because of the finances and whatnot, finding money to go to school is, is definitely, like, a, a huge hurdle to jump. Uh, one of the biggest struggles I come to find, culturally speaking, uh, with with Asians and Polynesians, we hold a lot of values in our families and making sure and trying to find the balance between our family values and like the American education system is, is kind of tricky mm -hmm. because we're brought up to believe, um, yo, like you got to be with your family, like family's everything. Yeah. And leaving that behind is like a huge no-no because I had opportunities to like go to other colleges out of state. But when it came time for me to like, you know, pick the one that I wanted to pick, like, I didn't, like, you know, I, I know that a lot of people have, like, just weird relationships with this, but to my core, I knew that, like, family was everything to me at a very young age, no matter where I went. Like, I think maybe early on it might have been, like, maybe just because the way I was thinking about it, it might have been, like, a crutch, but as I kind of got older and mature, like, I understood that, like, yo, like, I, I could want to be there for my mom when she falls. Like, I want to be there for her when she's having a bad day. And this is all being said during time when I had, like, a terrible relationship with my mother. Like, I, like I just, I don't, I, I can't, I can't really explain it, but I'm like, I, I just knew, I felt like I had, like, a, an, a, like, a responsibility that I wanted to serve with my family. And so finding that balance between, like, yo, how do I be a dope family guy and still go to school, you know? I see that struggle a lot with, like, Asian folks and Polynesian folks. It's like, yo, mm -hmm. I can go off and chase these opportunities and do this stuff, but, like, I got to care about my family. You almost feel guilty. Yeah, extremely, you know, like, you know, and, and I know that there are like situations where like families will make their, you know, 
make the kids feel guilty about mm-hmm. it. And, and and mind you, I know that that happens and that's whack too. And so I think I think what Glenn was just talking about, how they like, yo, they, they try to involve the family in this process mm-hmm. just so there's like a clear understanding of like what they're signing up for, how it's gonna pan out. I think that's super key and I don't think there's mm-hmm. enough of that. And I think that, yeah, I think that's definitely a part, an aspect that's super unaddressed. Um, because, you know, shit's scary. Like, you're about to leave the house. <laughs> yeah. You're about to go to a new place. You know, like, like it's, yeah, I, I can understand how, like, how just how terrified, like, families could be whilst at the same time being super proud, you know. Um, I know that, like, it was weird. I, I know that, like, came time for me to, like, leave the house. Mom didn't want want me to, but she knew, that, like, yo, this, this guy, you got to go in order for you to, like, really do this, you know, to your maximum potential. Um, so yeah, they're like, that, that's what I mean. There's like, there's a, there's a, there's a really tricky balance between, you know, that and trying to get the best education you can in America. For real. So when you guys chose to take that jump in, pursue higher education, you guys both went to college. How was that experience like for you? I dropped out after one quarter. Oh, you did? Yeah. I mean, I, I just wasn't set up. Pacific Islander culture, parents are pretty much in charge of your life, um, right? What they say goes. You go to your sports practice, you go to church, and then you come home and you do your chores and you do, right? Not in a negative way. It's a very respected hierarchy. Um, but because of that, I didn't understand how to um, to utilize my freedom, right? Because I never really had actual freedom. To be in a space where nobody is telling you what to do, where you get to choose Every single decision that you have after never being being able to be that Just free. Lost. Yeah, one quarter, that's all it took before me and my best friend ended up dropping out. Tell about your meal ticket. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> meal car shoe. I was pumped. I got, to, I, got, I got over there, and they have these cards. You know, you got your little swipe card. And, you know, my mom and them were there. We set it up. We got our IDs, and basically they were telling us, oh, this is what you used to eat. You guys literal have the, meal yeah, the athletic meal plan, which means you guys got $1,000 a quarter. And I was like, hold up. <laughs> you mean I get to swipe this wherever I want in here? And it's free. Like, you know, it's not free, but you're paying with, you know, with your financial aid. And my mom, I'm like, that means it's free. So I'm just, I was swiping away that. Yeah, stuff like that. Man, I, I call it 30 pounds, man. But anyways, yeah, it was rough. I ended up dropping out and worked my way, busting my butt to get back to Central mm-hmm. after doing classes at community college and all that. But that's also something that I've been trying to address with our Pacific Islander students and communities. Um to make decisions that you know are best for you, right? Um, community college is not a bad option at first. Mm-hmm. If you need help kind of getting in, in tune with what it's like to be a college student. Um, but also trying to um, just also find people, and that's what I do at UW as well, right, is to, to place Pacific Islanders in spaces where they can help students with that, right? We need more Pacific Islanders in TRIO. We need more Pacific Islanders in, you know, Upward Bound to help mm-hmm. during that transition, so... It was a struggle, but shoot, after five years, you your boy it. did it. Bachelor's degree was good. Hat, what's up? What's good? I'm educated, Come on. boy. College Come educated, on. cup. Come on. And GM, you're a, you're a gooey duck, right? Yeah. <laughs> yup. God, gooey they ducks. have a weird mantra. I know. Set. What is it? Do you know a the mantra? Gooey, I don't know what the mantra a is. Gooey I just duck? know it's a gooey it's duck. It's something in Latin, but it literally means let it all hang out. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. You've seen a gooey duck, right? No. It's like, like a, a huge clam, dude. That everything sticks That's out. That's your guys's. It's like a clam, dude. Wow. Yeah, you know why it's a gooey duck? Because we literally live on like this like weird beaches like of clay. Good and thing you guys don't have sports teams. That's not intimidating at all. You, you know what's funny, man? It's Clams. like we, we have this joking like 
shirt that's like Evergreen Evergreen State football undefeated since 1974. Because <laughs> there ain't no yeah, because, yeah. <laughs> or some somebody else oh. some, some shirt like that. Yeah, there's they're just really large clams. <laughs> That's it's it's pretty intimidating. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think you're right. Yeah. Do you see why the, that mantra is funny now? Yes. Yeah. Let it all hang out. I do. So, yeah. <laughs> Pat, I don't know if you remember this. You know what? Can I say it first? <laughs> yeah, say it, please. Because I feel really bad about this. No, you don't. Because this you kind of because you hit point. me up after that. There's a low point in my my youth development mm-hmm. career, but Cham told me where he was gonna go. And I was not happy. <laughs> I was not. I think you told me that. My only, my big, my only connection to Evergreen at that time was um, we did a luau at Evergreen State College oh. years, ago, years before, and everybody was naked. What? Everyone, everyone no. on the campus was naked and hot. Uh, and naked. I told them, I go, what are you going to do down there? Just get high and be naked? <laughs> <laughs> I said something really disrespectful about that. And I she, She's first off. I didn't know anything about Evergreen State. Like I didn't realize it was like a really, um, really hippy dippy college. And when she said naked, I was like, hold up. They get they get naked down there, and she was know, like, they're like, but they're not even that. They're not even that cracking. I was done. No, and no, and and credit. Credits, I swear to God, it wasn't even it wasn't even a day. After Pat had made that comment, she hits me back and was like, yo, no, on the real, I take back all that shit yeah. I just said. Because I, I, I was like, she was like, I, was, I'm, I straight up just almost wrote off your whole experience based off this one thing that I went through. Mm. Um, and that's like super... No, no, she... Uh, and I, to me, I wasn't even the least bit like deterred. Right. On, I was like, yo, no, no, I appreciate that, Pat. This uh, that, and and I really respect you for that. But it's for, I... It's rewarding me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. No, dude, I've had... Man, I, it was... Did I, I, did I really say the part about they're not that? No, that's that's wishful thinking in my head. I just I wish you had said that. Uh, but I, I could I could hear it. It's not we we know each other. We, know we yeah. talk. <laughs> it was it was dope, man. It was dope. Like I think um, even with that, I I know that like I know Pat and her whole family was like, no, dude, go to college. Just go to college, dude. Mm-hmm. Get get out of here so you can come back. <laughs> um, my college experience was funny. Uh, so I didn't drop out. Uh, my mom would have fucking killed me. Um, it was all bad for me. You already know. Yeah. I didn't even yeah. want to go home. I was crying. <laughs> yeah, dude. You know what's funny, man? During graduation, I didn't even want to go to my graduation. Like, because cause I, first off, high school graduation sucked uh, in my head because I was like, it, to me, it's like waiting around for like forever for a piece of paper. Um, <laughs> and so, and at college, it's 10 times worse yeah. than, than that because it's like, all these people you just don't know, you know? And so I'm like, I, I was going to go. And then my mom was already ready to go. Like, I really, I was like, I'm not, like, I was already set on not going. And she was already prepped to go and everybody's going. She's like, what are you, what are you doing? Let's go. I was like, I don't want to go, go. Graduation, it's not that big of a deal. And she goes, hold up. <laughs> she starts laughing. She goes, yo, it's funny because you keep thinking that this is about you. <laughs> <laughs> Like I didn't, I didn't escape fucking poverty and all this fucking oh. bullshit back home just so you feel like you so you, just so you could be so entitled to not go to your own graduation. All right, this is yeah, this is yeah. When she said this is not about you, I just like all right. All right. Before this turns into a conversation, I really don't want to have. Let's go to this graduation. So that that was yeah. Shout out to moms for that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, man. To me, it was a culture shock. Um, 
He was like, I grew up on the west side in White Center. And whenever I told folks I was from White Center at Everett State, they always had like bulging eyes like, oh shit, you're from that one place <laughs> where mm. stuff goes down, you know, where it's not so white and it's not so centered. <laughs> and, uh, and it was, it was, and you know what? Like at times I would, I tried always my best to like acclimate and, and not in like a fake way, like change how I talk and whatnot. I could just, I, I, I'm really good at like camouflaging myself in like circles. Like I try not, I try not to stand out too much, and I'm sure that has something to do with like a survival mechanism, um, especially growing up in the West Side. Like people who stand out. Uh, there was a great like Japanese proverb: the, the nail that sticks out the most is the one that gets hammered the most. Mm. Um, and so I've always, I've always felt like that from the jump. Like somebody that just was an outcast and stuck out way too much. And so when I was at Evergreen, yeah, I, I tried. Yeah, I just I just tried I tried to blend in, but man, I just ran into like so much like weird, ironically white entitlement at this liberal college, um, and and it just God, man, it just brought the West Side out of me in so many situations. Like I remember there was like this weird protest that was happening at like this like student lounge, and to me the reason it was a big deal was because because this protest was happening, I couldn't buy my toilet paper <laughs> that day when I needed it. And so when I had asked folks what this protest was about, no one could give me a straight answer. It was like a bunch of what, like, so like credits to you, Pat, if this is what you were talking about. But when I was, when I was like asking everyone who was like organizing this event and they were just smoking weed up in this, this, this place, no one, no one could give me a straight answer about what, the, and that's to this day, I still don't know what it was about. Like I read the letter, the email they had sent out to the administration, but Long story short, the student body had felt like they weren't being included in the decision-making process that related to the students' like future at, at the at the college. Vague, really vague, exactly. That gave that same exact look too. I was like, "What? Oh, I mean, I'm sure, for sure, but where? Like, what? Like, what? Yeah. You know, like, point out exactly what's going on. I'm not saying I'm not like I'm not saying that, that that's not happening, but like, yo, dude, like I'm gonna need a bit more than I don't know, just this." Yeah, it was. If to me, it felt cheap. There's no meaning. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I, I mind you, I grew up doing nonprofit work and doing social justice work. Like, I like that was my life when I was like 13. Like, I got I got involved in that because of why my youth media institute that that Christian also went to. Like, they they were the ones that got me into doing like social justice work, and I had been about so ju- social justice work from 13 and even till now. But I, I just I remember really being involved in it. Like showing at the protests, you know, speaking at, at at public forums, going out organizing, hosting workshops, doing all that. Like really, really, you know, I really sunk my teeth teeth into it at a very early age. But when I got to Evergreen State, it just felt like it felt fake. Mm-hmm. It felt like a lot of these people, um, like I didn't really didn't understand the term rebels without a cause until I really got there. I was like, oh shit, you guys really don't know what the what do you what you're really fighting for, mm-hmm. um, and so. That was my biggest biggest problem with Everett State College was running into that kind of energy like all the time, and so yeah, that it was Evergreen State. I'll say this. With that being said, because uh, uh, I don't want to just like throw Evergreen State College under the bus, I did have a solid education there. Like the teachers, uh, like I built really great relationship with the teachers there. Um, shout out to Terry Setter, um, probably my favorite teacher at Evergreen State College, because even though he was just an audio engineer, he was like a philosopher and all this other dope stuff. By far one of the coolest white people I've ever met. Um, and so, yeah, I was always in the studio. Um, 
and uh, and yeah, that was that was more or less my my experience at Evergreen State College. I uh, yeah, I just tried to try to try to do music <laughs> as much as I can, which essentially led to the uh, my my debut album, you the Dome. Kept your head down, just did you right? Yeah, I definitely that. I was also still still doing to this very day battling depression, mm-hmm. um, and so that had always been a a huge factor in my life. Because, uh, you know, as much as, like... And maybe this is just me being hard on myself. But, man, as much as I, like... As much as I did, man, I just never felt like I did enough. Mm-hmm. You know? You're like, you, you grind super hard, spend hours upon hours, and you look at the thing you just did, and you're just like, the fuck did I do in my life? <laughs> oh, my God. That's like... You ever watch Soul? Yeah. Yeah, oh the Pixar movie. He, he describes that so perfectly. At the end, he gets everything he wants, but he's just like, was that it? Yeah, <laughs> as that is, it's just like that's how a lot of people feel. Right, right. Yeah, I get to that story in my life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just Const- watched that recently. constantly traveling between. Mm-hmm. You haven't watched it. The world and the shadow realm. I just watched it like a week ago. Nice. <laughs> my niece, it was dope. Now, what's um, what's one advice you you guys would give yourself or your young self with the knowledge you have now? Oh man. <clears throat> Glenn, go first. I gotta think about this. <laughs> you can think about it. No rush. One piece of advice I would give my younger self. Yeah. Like uh, with the knowledge you have now, you know, with the experiences. For like, like music in this moment, or, just, or just in general. In general. I guess live in the moment. I know that that's live in the moment, super cliche, but I think I I am always anxious because I'm constantly thinking about the mistakes I made in the past mm. or worried about the things that I'm going to be doing in the future. Mm-hmm. And very mm-hmm. rarely, especially at this age, I don't know, maybe I'm just more self-aware, but it's been like this my whole life. But at this age, I cannot catch a breath to just be here. Mm-hmm. Like I'm constantly, I'd be laying in bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, I got to do this tomorrow. Or I'll be like, oh man, why did I say that last week? You know? And so if I could give advice to my younger self or just to myself in general, it would be to just live in the moment, man, because you're missing out on so many beautiful things because you're constantly worrying about the past and the future. Yeah. And so yeah. when it comes to music, I, I mean, especially, but just in general in life, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah. You know what I would say? I'm sure the answer to this question is going to change for me a bunch because there's, there's just a bunch of different ways or a bunch of different devices that I would give myself. But I think the first one that comes to mind for me is uh, I tell myself, uh, do not, do not be afraid of the unknown. Um, a lot of people really they 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 waste and spend a lot of time speculating about all the terrible things that could happen if they go this route or if they do this thing. And mind you, fifty fifty, you're right. It can, it can either either just be good or bad. Th- those are literally how things can pan out. But if you don't know, just from a mental standpoint, it just seems to be healthier. To not be afraid of it. Now, mind you, being afraid of the unknown and respecting all the bad stuff that could happen are two different things. I'm not saying ignore the danger that could happen. I'm just saying don't don't waste, you know, your emotions on something that hasn't even happened yet. Um, but definitely, from object from an objective st- it's a standpoint, acknowledge that it could happen, but you don't have to be consumed by it. And uh, and I think one of the things that uh, that kind of always tormented me especially at a young age and even now um i i would i would tell i would hold myself and just look at myself in the face and be like yo bro it is okay to be wrong it's fine you will say shit that you will regret you'll do things that you didn't mean to do it's fine 
Like, what's not okay is for you to be completely indecisive all the time because you don't want to be wrong. And and that's that's not good. Like, stagnation to me is like hell. Um, and so I would try my best to encourage myself, like, yo, dude, it's fuck up, mess up as much as you can, you know, especially in the, in the space that you can without being completely, like, consumed by it. So I, I, I tell myself, I tell folks, too, all the time, like, yo, it's, it's fine. If, if it's fine if you said something that you didn't mean, it, it really is, man. And, and yeah, because, you know, I, the only way you're really going to learn is if you fuck up, you know. And so I think, I think that's something that I wish we just kind of promoted a lot more in these, like, open dialogues. It's just like, yo, man, like, say what's on your heart. Like, I don't care how crazy it may sound prejudice racist whatever like if we're if we're gonna get through these like like societal issues man we need to have honest conversations like real honest conversations without having to feel like you're about to get murdered <laughs> mm-hmm. because you were off by a syllable but uh but yeah i'd, I'd be like yo just just chill don't don't worry if you're wrong that's that's great advice guys <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> no that's awesome i think um even though we have so many differences, you guys are, like, a really good example on how, like, that also is, like, our similarities can come together. Um, that's really all I have. Um, Do you want to ask them about projects? Yeah, I was, projects oh, yeah. Do you guys have it, up, any upcoming oh, yeah. projects? Oh, yeah. Thanks for asking. It's oh, a, my God. It's about yeah, to be a year since off. your album, right? <laughs> yeah, shit. It's coming up on a year. Yeah, what's going September. on? Um, so, uh, well, recent projects that dropped, uh, if you haven't streamed the Woe music video, um, yeah. that oh, is uh, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was so was awesome. Uh, we worked really hard on it. Chandler worked really hard on it. We invested a lot of time, uh, money, a lot of our life. We did it at <laughs> Lake Berrien Presbyterian Church. Hey, shout the out all my Lake Berrien homies. Church in Washington. You feel me? Lake Until B. the Thompson family leaves it. <laughs> <laughs> Aunt Lena, thank you guys for the church. But So, yeah, the music video is out right now. Um, we're trying to do another run where we kind of promote it a little more. So if you haven't seen it, it's one of my favorite, probably my favorite song on the album. Um, what was that? What is it called? It's called Woe, and it's also featuring uh, Kings, a.k.a. Khalil. Um, so yeah, stream that. And then, um, right now, as far as music, I'm working on some more projects, um, nothing too soon. Um, I just dropped the EP a couple weeks ago and then I also will be performing August 12th at Jefferson Park, um, on Beacon Hill, um, from seven to eight. So if y'all want to come see me perform, if you hear this, I will be there next week on the 12th. I feel like I'm forgetting something. Say that, say that date again, the performance. August 12th, 7 p.m. Where at? Come watch me at Jefferson Park, Beacon Hill. Yup. And auto see stuff? us there. Any auto stuff? Yeah, I mean, any, anything that we do for models, auto stuff. But uh, I'm dropping a music video next week. Oh, uh, I forgot. Next Wednesday. Wednesday. White Center Freestyle is what it's called. It's a remix off of Drake's Chicago Freestyle. Uh, and so, yeah, it's a music video that's dropping next week. Uh, shout out to Doug, uh, Doug, Doug Hostetter, <laughs> <laughs> who helped me shoot that video. Um... Yo, man, you know, for I, I, I don't, I don't know how much time we really have, but I actually kind of really want your thoughts on the album. You said you listened to to Bonnie and Greenwood, yeah? Yeah, but I like to listen to albums at least like ten times before I have an opinion on it. <laughs> oh no, you don't, girl. Stop <laughs> yes, lying. Yes, I do. <laughs> but definitely the the popular ones. Whoa, whoa, and like one night are my favorite. Those are your favorite? Yeah. Nice. Okay. Okay. Do you have a third favorite? Um, probably. 
when Pat and I were listening to Extra. Oh yeah, Extra's a solid yeah. one. Extra's a solid one. Expect a expect a potential vi- video treatment for Extra to come out. Yeah. So. Okay, if I'm being completely honest, I didn't know that we were doing Glendale in Cham <laughs> like, up until like a week ago. So I was like, okay, I need to listen to every single song. <laughs> and I listened to it before. I was listening to Well because you guys were promoting, so I knew mm-hmm. that song. But I never sat down and listened to it because I really like to sit down, be in a room by myself, and listen to it with nice. no interruptions. Yeah, that's how we before are. Before I have too. an opinion, but I love it so far. Nice. Thank yeah. you. Yeah, thank I think you. you guys did an amazing job on it. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What do you think of the music video? Have you seen it? Yet? I, Oh my gosh. I love that you guys were in front of Hung Su. Oh, yeah, see? <laughs> you have the best money. Yeah, see? I was like, yes. Yeah, that's my, I share the exact same opinion too. No, dude, and this is Yeah, I thought that was so awesome. I was just like, yes. White Center Deli. <laughs> yes. Best that was sandwiches. Cham's idea. Yeah, bruh. Bruh, yeah, dog. Do you, do you know the people there? I do now. He was in the okay. music video. Yeah, yeah I, was I do like, now. What? Yeah, I do I want to meet the grandma there because she makes the best spring rolls. You know that they, they changed the ownership like what? recently, right? Really? Yeah, see, a lot, it, it, trust me, it, it threw me off too. My mom I, actually mentioned, I was like, are you sure? Because she said that this tastes a little different. I was like, it still tastes good to me. Yeah, no. <laughs> she knew about the it taste. Does, no, no, it threw me off. It didn't taste so different that I was mad, but it what tastes. What do you get? It tastes different enough. What'd you say? What do you get? What do I get? Just pork, ch- chicken. No, no, oh, I do. Oh, yeah, for sure. That's what I get. You don't get the pork? No, no I, I don't eat pork. Okay. What about the bakadik? That big. The special? The special is that pork special? No, it's just special. No, <laughs> no, no break break down all the meats that's in the duck bit for real quick. Oh, sorry, there's pork in it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, I was like, I don't know, I'm pretty sure there's pork in that. I was thinking like the roast pork. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the roast pork is apparently like their their best, and they sell out by 12 p.m. Do 12, they? Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, it's like their number one like sandwich that goes. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, they they changed ownership. I I, I thought that she had passed it down to like a family member or something. Uh-huh. But um but no, she she retired. She oh. went to she went back to Vietnam and just she's kicking her feet up and you know just But so she does she doesn't know then? No, I mean, not on a familial level, but oh. uh, she sold it to just like another Vietnamese family. Oh, interesting. Um which yeah, and and like I said, God bless them because they they more or less kept the food quality to the same level it is a little different and so that was like i said that was the thing that i had noticed first but it wasn't so different that it was like this isn't white center anymore my mom noticed right away <laughs> yeah, i bought sandwich just like this is different <laughs> yeah wow. yeah yeah I, you know what i didn't notice they used the they went back to the og color wrap they went back to white because before it was yellow, yellow. yeah oh. it was yellow for the longest but it was white first and then at some point, I don't know why she went yellow. It might have been cheaper or something. Um, but then, yeah, they went. she went back to white. So I was like, oh, that's cool. Because that's what I grew up eating that. My mom used to even work there at one point. Oh. Um, but, uh, but yeah, man, shout out to Hung Su, man. That, that, that's the spot. And I will say this for real. I speak for, pff, I say this for California, Texas, Florida, pff, forget New York. Uh, Georgia. Georgia. We got the best Vietnamese chicken sandwich in, in, in the nation. Come on, like straight up. Like I'm not, I'm not just. I got everywhere I go, I gotta find out if there's like a Vietnamese deli spot, and I gotta order the sandwich there, and I gotta compare it. And like to this day, no one, to no one can stand up to the sandwich that we have. I think of that next time. I usually just get roast pork with a special. Yeah, I'll even even time. the way they make their pork is very is intriguing because they 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 cure it to kind of get that crunch. Mm-hmm. They don't just fry it. I don't know if you know about that. I don't know how they make it. Yeah, they 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 essentially have like fans on the pork, and and that's how they get that kind of crunchy mm-hmm. texture. And, and it cures literally like over a couple of days, mm-hmm. and so that that's how they get their 
That's how they put the signature on their pork. I think they're on, like, Seattle Times. Like, that's their thing. Yeah. They put it on a plaque. Yeah, yeah, no, no. They, they're they killing it right now, yeah. as they should. Somebody blew it up on, like, TikTok a while back or whatever. Really? Or Instagram. Yeah, there was, like, a day where, like, there was, like, a line around the block. It was crazy. Wow. I was like, good for you guys. Like, I hope that happens as much as possible. Well, I, I love that it was in your guys' video. I got super excited. <laughs> yeah, no. I no, That was, that's, that's part of my white center experience, yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we were really pumped. They were pumped about it, too. But yeah, thank you for having us out, y'all. Yeah. Thank you for coming. You guys are both great. Thank you for having us. And for people listening, if you haven't spent real meaningful time in White Center, don't open your mouth about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing all this stuff on Instagram, all this social media, people talking shit about White Center. I'm like, chill, you never even been here. You know, you know the funniest thing I heard was, uh, and it, it wasn't necessarily talking shit, but it was, it was just a really funny observation. But I had this, this one girl was like, yo, I think it might have been it might have been after cultivate I forget, but she was just like she looked around like yo man you, White Center is like really proud of itself. You <laughs> <laughs> feel There was like a lot of pride here. I was like yeah you bet your ass there is. Like, uh, can't wait I can't you you understand how much like louder White Center is gonna get when one of us blows up. <laughs> like can't. yes. It's gonna, it's gonna be, yeah, homeless so and so. Like I can't, I can't wait, dude. I really can't wait. If, if, if somebody goes to the Grammys, we're all going. Yeah, <laughs> dude, we'll be dude, out in the dog, party y'all don't party. even know, dog. That Grammy speech is gonna be like half of that speech is gonna be filled with White Center shout outs. Right. <laughs> yeah, screwing White Center at the beginning and the end of that. Yeah, That's it's great. gonna be no, it's gonna be dope. Trust me. It's oh my god, I can't wait. <laughs> I can't wait. It's You're performing at Cultivate, right? Um, you know what? For the sake of this, yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> August twentieth. Yeah. August twentieth. Perform, I'll perform too. Yep. Oh, it's a busy month. August twentieth. Cultivate open mic community open mic come through. Yep. You, August. You wait, what time? It? August twentieth. Cultivate. Five. Five p.m. is when it starts. More Six. more details to come. Yep. Yes. It's a family event, so leave your cuss words at home. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> I'm trying to perform last year, but oh, there's no. too many cuss words. It's so hard to perform a full song oh. when there's cuss words and then to blank it out yourself. Yeah, you know, it just throws you off, and that's how I'm gonna champ last I'll, year. I'll, I'll, do you remember when you performed at my dinner, the Yes Foundation? Yeah, I do. You did a great job that night. Well, I mean, and I know you had the lyrics back. in front of me. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah, I said I had the lyrics in front of me. Sorry, don't cuss there. Okay, yeah, cool, cool. Yeah, no, I, I mean, it was, yeah. We appreciate that. Well, thank you, man. I, I really I appreciate that too. I love you, Pat. I love you, Christian. Love. Thank you all for this yeah. platform, man. This is yeah, dope. Yeah. Y'all made me actually feel like a rapper for a couple minutes. <laughs> <laughs> peace, family. Peace, peace.